Oikos Podcast, Sustainability Conversations. Hello, my name is Ludmila Nazarkin and I'm an Oikos PhD Fellow. I'm currently at the Gronen Conference, which is academic conference for scholars who do research in management and sustainability. And my guest is uh, Thomas Prinsen, who is Associate Professor at the University of Michigan. Thomas has a background in biology, political science and economics, and his research focuses on issues on social and ecological sustainability, with a primary focus on sufficiency, and this will be a, a subject of our talk. Hello, Thomas. Hello, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us today. <laughs> it would be great if you can tell us a little bit more about sufficiency, what sufficiency is and how it can be applied to businesses. Okay. Well, the, the, the easiest way to uh, understand sufficiency is in our own personal behavior. So one of my favorite examples is the fact that I like chocolate. Yes. <laughs> and not only does it taste good, but it st stimulates my creativity, and, and I'm sure I'm very, very productive when I eat chocolate. Uh, the problem is that if I eat too much of it, I get a headache the, the following day. So I've uh, learned to eat a little bit, enough, but not too much. <clears throat> and so at a personal level, sufficiency is, is that sense of enoughness and too muchness. But, that, but the really important uh, uh, use of sufficiency is as a social organizing principle. Uh, important in, in terms of uh, steering our society uh, onto a sustainable path. So, um, so their, their sufficiency is, is looking at kind of the structural factors in an organization that would limit its overall throughput, its overall use of resources, uh, its extraction, its waste, and so forth. Can you give any specific examples of an organization that applies principles of sufficiency in practice? Sure. I looked at a timber company called Pacific Lumber Company in Northern California, Redwood, Redwood Country. And that company, over a long period of time, through the 20th century really, experimented with trying to figure out how to cut trees without cutting, cutting them all down. And it may seem obvious to us today that that's what you do, you try to regrow, but back then it was, it was a novel idea. And so the, the leader of that company um, uh, experimented a lot with, with help from others uh, in different techniques for limiting, uh, uh, for, for uh, harvesting and cutting, at the, uh, uh, cutting and, and regrowing at the same time. Um, but he actually discovered that, that all those techniques, like uh, selective logging, for example, uh, was not enough. That what, what, what his real challenge was is dealing with the fact that everybody involved in that company, both inside and outside, they all wanted more. So workers wanted more cut because they could get a higher wage. Uh, managers wanted a, a higher cut because they, that was what they, that's how they would advance through the organization. Uh, shareholders wanted of course, a higher return on investment. Consumers would want a lower price with greater supply. And, uh, and uh, governments, the more the cut, the, the greater the revenues. And so the leader of this uh, Pacific Lumber Company uh, realized that, uh, that he had to figure out some way to, in effect, say, no, we can't just keep on increasing the cut. And so he, uh, he, he devised some, some techniques for doing that. Very 
interesting. And I also remember that in the session that we just had, which, which you chaired, mm -hmm. you also mentioned the concept of efficiency and growth. Mm -hmm. So how are the three concepts interrelated, sufficiency, efficiency and growth? Can one business be both efficient and sufficient and grow, or is it not possible to combine the three in one organization? I, I think, it, 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 my, my guess is, and I, and I have to say this as a guess because I haven't tested this empirically, uh, is that a successful company, one way or another, finds a way of, of, of growing, doing it efficiently, but always in that larger context of sufficiency. Not too big, but not too small. So growth is an obviously good thing. <clears throat> every child must grow. A healthy child is a growing child. Uh, every uh, crop uh, for food is, uh, is a good crop if it grows. But obviously, if, it grows, if the child grows, keeps on growing after, at adulthood, or if the crop keeps getting on taller and taller and without putting out fruit, uh, that's not a good thing. So growth as a concept, as a principle, as a goal, itself has limits. Uh, it, it, endless growth does, makes no sense uh, on a finite planet or a finite company. Uh, same with efficiency. Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, getting more bang for the buck, more value, value for a given investment is a good thing. But it's only a good thing if all else is held equal. So if you increase an efficiency ratio um, of good to, to investment or you know, energy input or whatever it is, um, if that simultaneously ex uh, promotes growth and endless growth and excess growth, uh, then it's not a good thing. So once again, boundaries on both growth and efficiency are necessary and on, suffi on sufficiency. It itself is not a universal principle. That's fascinating, absolutely fascinating, thank you. What I'm also wondering about is whether you have any advice how sufficiency as a principle can be integrated in the curriculum of management and business schools. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, um, I don't teach in a business school, okay. I, so I, I, I can't say with much confidence um, how it would be useful, except that um, the, the more I, I uh, work on the concept and, uh, and, uh, and look for expressions of sufficiency in, in everyday life and personal life and, and organizational life, um, the, the more it, it um, encourages me to ask questions that otherwise would not be asked in a growth-oriented, uh, efficiency-oriented, return on, on investment-oriented environment. Sufficiency is doing well now and into the far future by doing less than the p most possible now. Okay. And so that, that very simple idea, I think, as simple as growth and e efficiency, uh, if, if one starts there and asks what would be a sufficient level of uh, extraction, a sufficient level of production, a su sufficient level of consumption, um, a sufficient uh, uh, time period for, for something, um, then I think that, will, that would raise different kinds of questions that typically get raised in a, in a business school environment. And all these issues, I suppose they can also be very interesting research questions for management scholars. And mm -hmm. you've just been with us for, for a few days and you've heard several, well not several, many presentations, many interesting research topics. So do you have any tips 
um, as to what management scholars can do or how they can integrate the concept of sufficiency in their research? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it goes back to the same, same as, as, as in business education, is at least ask the questions, right? Asking the, the sufficiency type questions and looking for examples. So I just heard recently that somebody is doing research on uh, 10 different companies and, uh, and one of them was deliberately trying to uh, limit their, the, the range of their, uh, their suppliers and something else like that. And uh, that could easily be interpreted as an outlier, as insignificant because it you know, doesn't fit the normal curve, right? Uh, but from where I, I sit, um, sustainability itself as a concept is an outlier with respect to an ever-growing economy. So those are, those are the kind of examples that, I, I, that catch my attention and I want to pursue further. So more research on examples of arguably sustainable practice, employing something like uh, a sufficiency principle, at least implicitly, uh, I think would be a direction that, that research scholars could go. Thank you. And finally, maybe you have a few tips about books, about <laughs> those that got fascinated uh, with the concept of sufficiency could read? Well, my publisher would probably uh, not be too happy if I didn't uh, plug my own books um, on that. So uh, there are two that I, I, I developed the concept in different ways. And so sort of my main um, uh, uh, product on, on this topic is a book called The Logic of Sufficiency, MIT Press. And then uh, <clears throat> a few years after that, I published another book, a short one, a little more sort of conversational. Um, oh, I should say the logic of su sufficiency has some very in-depth, very detailed case studies, including that, that timber company I mentioned. Um, but then the, the subsequent book is called Treading Softly, Paths to Ecological Order, also MIT Press. Uh, and that develops sufficiency in a little bit different way. D different principles, uh, principles, but uh, not just sufficiency. Um, and it, it aims at a slightly different audience. Uh, it might be a little bit more accessible than, than the logic of sufficiency. But there, uh, there are other books that are dealing with this topic. I, I think it's, it's, it's uh, getting attention in different ways. Uh, you know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was Ludmila Nazarkina and Thomas Prinson, and we're at Groningen Conference in the southern France near Marseille, and you can hear the bird sounds on the background. Thank you very much for being with us today. If you would like to learn more about OICAS, go on our website, www.oikasinternational.org. Thank you. Bye.